You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. Uh, Today on the podcast, we're talking about Brexit and trade with the European Union and the deal or supposed deal or deal to have a deal that uh, President Trump and um, EU Commissioner Juncker reached or may have reached. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty going on in the European Union and the United Kingdom right now. And so here to talk about it with me is Sharon Treat. Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. All right, so let's um, briefly talk about what's been going on in the last couple of weeks with um, the, the supposed deal between the U.S. and the EU. Okay, well, as I think everybody knows, uh, the Trump administration has been threatening or, in fact, putting tariffs on um, goods coming from a number of countries and have threatened those tariffs on the European uh, auto industry as one example. And I don't know if it was already planned or not, but the European Union Commission Juncker was over here in the U.S. Uh, meeting with, had a meeting set up with uh, President Trump to talk over the tariffs and, and other issues. And uh, at the end of the day, they came out with a supposed deal uh, that would uh, potentially make sure that these tariffs weren't applied and it would promote additional um, purchases of soybeans from the United States by the European Union, and also promote additional uh, sales of liquefied natural gas, or LNG. Before the paint was dry on that, uh, the Trump administration was saying, no, it's not just limited to soybeans, it's going to cover all of agriculture. And the joint statement that had been put out also went into a number of other issues, uh, including uh, you know, talking about zero non-tariff barriers, setting up a commission, a high-level commission to start to try to come up with a trade deal that would go beyond uh, the soybeans and LNG uh, and look into a number of other issues. So this may or may not happen. It may go smoothly. It may fall apart. But what has Europe been doing, not just in response to tariffs from the U.S., I mean with retaliatory tariffs, but in terms of like the European global trade agenda, how is that, how is the current kind of trade war and trade escalation uh, been affecting that? Well, I think, you know, the European Union, just to roll back the clock a couple of years, was uh, engaged in quite intensive negotiations with the United States called the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, or TTIP, uh, with the Obama administration. This was a deal that IATP and many other organizations and and activists around the world in the US and and in Europe were very, very concerned about because it was seen as lowering uh, food uh, standards, uh, really setting up um, as kind of pro-agribusiness um, you know, economic exchange, uh, doing kind of behind the scenes deregulation through something called regulatory cooperation, uh, and, you know, many other things, you know, attacks on affordable medicines and everything else. That agreement uh, pretty much uh, went by the wayside, not only because of the Trump administration coming in and saying, well, we're only going to do bilateral deals, but also because uh, people were so opposed to it in Europe. So it was wildly unpopular. So following the Trump administration coming in, the European Union really said, well, okay, we're not going to uh, rest with you know, this deal with the US, which wasn't going anywhere anyway. 
and really isn't going anywhere with the Trump administration. So we're going to start negotiating uh, and trying to get deals with Mexico, with Japan, um, with a, and with a whole bunch of other countries. And also with Canada, which they had already been in agreement, you know, working on an agreement with and, and have mm-hmm. actually finalized that. So that's kind of where um, they went on that. But I think that they're coming back to the U.S. is, you know, to some extent in response to these uh, tariff threats. And I think particularly Germany, which is, of course, a big player in the European Union economically and politically, is very worried about those um, tariff uh, Mm -hmm. that that might be on, on German cars. Right. And so Europe, in some ways, is reflective of the U.S. that even as the the government continues to pursue a free trade agenda, there's been this political backlash. And you've seen a lot of um, right-leaning governments in power. And I think maybe the biggest symbol of that has been Brexit, the decision of the United Kingdom to leave the European Union through a referendum. The blog you wrote talks about sort of where the UK is at in the Brexit process in terms of its negotiations from Europe. Uh, can we just start with um, what that process has been like? Um, maybe just a brief recap. Well, far be it for me sitting on this side of the Atlantic to really get into the nitty gritty because it's really convoluted and um, torturous process. I mean, a lot of controversy on, on both sides of this. You know, the, the um, Cameron government that actually went forward with this referendum in 2016 didn't expect it to pass to get the pass to, to get out of Europe. And they, that government folded immediately upon the vote. They, he stepped down and uh, we've ended up with Theresa May as the prime minister for the last uh, two years. She's had a rocky time of it. Uh, she was initially supporting uh, staying in the union, although rather softly, uh, and has a, a cabinet now that she appointed that um, you know is full of people who are very strongly in favor of getting out of the European Union. Somehow she has to negotiate um, a, a way out. Um, and that's what she's you know say she's going to do. But at the same time, you have many many people in the United Kingdom who did not vote to leave. And I think more of a recognition now that they're going through this process, that this is a very, very difficult negotiation that touches on everything. Uh, one of the biggest issues, um, and it's maybe hard for us uh, on this side of the Atlantic to understand this, but it relates to the, to the border between Northern Ireland and uh, the Republic of Ireland, which is staying in the European Union. Um, you know, after we all know about the Irish Troubles and, and the, the violence that went on for you know, generations, um, mm-hmm. that was resolved in a 1998 agreement, uh, the Good Friday Agreement. And since then, the economies of those uh, two countries have become very, very uh, integrated. There's this um, border that you don't even know about, you don't notice it, just like within Europe primarily, it's, you know, People can move freely across borders. Goods can move freely across borders. It's a fairly unified um, <clears throat> jurisdiction. And so how to deal with uh, this border that's going to be between Northern Ireland and, and Ireland that's still in the European Union is very, very difficult problem that they have yet to resolve. Uh, meanwhile, the, they, there is a kind of a draft agreement with the European Union, a sort of like a timetable of how this will work. And what that draft agreement says is that um, Britain's going to be exiting from the European Union in March of 2019, which is really, yes, eight months away. And they really hadn't figured out how to do it. And, and actually until um, 
and well, they still haven't, but we didn't even have a plan from the May government um, saying what it was, you know, what their approach would be and how they would figure this all out. Uh, they did come up with a plan um, just recently in July, and that's what my blog kind of digs into is sort of the details of what that is. Right. But so let's, yeah. let's, let's get into that now. So um, there were, you know, you, you looked at it pretty closely and there were five areas of concern that you had with regards to um, food and agriculture policy. Um, so I, I, I kind of want to go through them. The, <laughs> the blog you wrote was probably the longest blog we've ever published. There's a lot to unpack here, but let's just start with um, how uh, Brexit could weaken food safety. Well, sure. Um, you know, in this, in the proposals coming from the, the May administration in the UK, um, they have said, well, we, we want to still be under some of the food standards with the European Union so that we don't have this big problem with food coming across the border and it'll have to be checked at the border and we're going to have these mile long you know, um, backups of, you know, big trucks, uh, you know, delaying everything. So we're going to, you know, say that there's this common rule book and that will cover food and that way we can, you know, at least have food back and forth between the EU and um, the United Kingdom. The problem with what they proposed is very little seems to be in this so-called common rule book. So like pesticide residue standards, um, labeling rules, um, you know, any kind of environmental or sort of broader agriculture um, policy is excluded from this. And we don't know what the rules would be for those things. Uh, and, and the problem there is that uh, if the European Union, well, back up, the European Union has really quite strong standards compared particularly to the United States, which until now, the UK has been part of those standards. So they have you know, much more significant labeling rules, GMO labeling, country of origin labeling, you know, nano, really tiny materials, chemical labeling, um, you know, the whole REACH policy, which is their chemicals policy and the um, precautionary principle. Um, these are all things that we don't have in the United States. And there's gonna be a whole lot of pressure on the um, United Kingdom to weaken its standards because one of their top priorities is to enter into a trade agreement with the Trump administration and with the United States. And any agreement of that type, um, you know, the goal of the United States government is going to be to be able to import to Britain all of these food products that right now they can't send there because they, they don't comply with the European Union standards, the food safety standards, whether it's labeling, chlorine, chicken, they call it GMO regulation, which is far stricter uh, in the European Union. So there's a real fear that these things won't, you know, will be able to into the European Union through the UK after a trade deal. And so it's both going to weaken the UK standards directly and then indirectly weaken what goes on in the European Union if these goods are being shipped across over there without anyone checking whether they comply. Right. Yeah. And, and, and um, it seems like even though the US and UK can't uh, legally be negotiating a trade deal. They have been informally negotiating a trade deal for a while now. Um, and you followed that a little bit, right? Yeah, um, they have been. And it's been one of the things that's been just at the back of my mind kind of bothering me because nobody's been following it or really it seems like paying attention to it. 
and they've had four quite significant meetings with you know like dozens of uh, trade negotiators from either side um, over the past you know year and a half and the concern i have i mean under this uh, draft agreement with the european union uh, britain is supposed to be able to start negotiations and actually um, ink trade deals starting in march well it would be really april 2019 they couldn't go into effect until um, they, they actually finalize the leaving the European Union, which is um, January 1st, 2021. And the concern would be, I mean, what are these meetings? I mean, what's the difference between a negotiation and mm -hmm. these meetings with the trade negotiators meeting with each other, talking about all the same issues that they would talk about in, in a trade deal. And uh, so there's no transparency, even worse than the normal uh, non-transparent process that we have in the United States. Uh, we have no idea really what's going on. And there's the potential that, you know, you get to April 2019 and they're pretty much just rubber stamping an agreement that's been worked out completely, you know, without following the process. So that's a real concern. And um, again, we don't really know what's going on, except that we know what um, big industry wants and what they want are all the things that were so controversial in the TTIP or the transatlantic trade agreement and also the TPP. I mean, a dumbing down of all these food safety standards, you know, making it easier to uh, sell food that has GMO ingredients in it and to grow GMO crops, you know, making medicines more expensive by delaying uh you know products uh to the market uh as long as possible you know keeping the monopolies uh financial rules you know uh, mm -hmm. weakening those so that we might face another 2008 disaster you know financial right. disaster so these are all the things that that people are talking about and certainly when you're looking at a negotiation between the trump administration which this is their bread and butter. I mean, this is, these are the kinds of mm -hmm. policies that they're supporting domestically. And the May administration, which is a conservative government that is very much about reducing regulations, you know, there's a strong potential that this uh, trade agreement would be very, very bad for both sides. Yeah, um, it, you know, it's actually, it feels like it's a little bit parallel to um, CETA in terms of talking about TTIP going through the back door um, this time using the UK instead of Canada. Um, how has Europe taken steps to, to either stop that from happening or enable that to happen in CETA? Well, complaints about CETA, the Canadian um, EU trade agreement, that it is on TTIP through the back door is, is quite legitimate. I mean, it, it, it can, Canada has many standards that are very similar to US standards. Why? In part because of NAFTA just to throw around another trade right. agreement that's in play. But, you right. know, we, we've had this integrated economy between Canada, U.S., and Mexico, especially in agriculture now, for decades. So as a result of that, you see GMO policies that are very, very similar in Canada. You see, you know, heavy fracking going on. You, you see, you know, many, many policies that are very similar to, to kind of policies that we would say aren't the greatest policies here in the United States either. And so the same kinds of pressures are going to be on the European Union in this deal with Canada, particularly because it has all this sort of behind the scenes regulatory cooperation going on, these so-called mutual equivalence agreements where you don't 
actually change your regulations, but you say, well, it's basically the same as what's going on in the other countries, so we can import this uh, product uh, even if it doesn't comply with the other countries' um, right. standards. And so it's a way of really um, weakening uh, food safety and other standards. I mean, you know, we started off talking about, I, I had my blog said five things. Well, besides the food safety, I mean, there's also, I mentioned animal welfare protections and biotech, which I've already uh, mentioned to some extent, uh, you know, environmental uh, issues around particularly agricultural pollutants, which are uh, not going to be regulated apparently according to EU standards. That's like um, pesticides and fertilizers. Pesticides, fertilizers, you know, runoff from agricultural operations. I mean, we all know it's, you know, it's a challenge. It's a balancing act when you have agricultural operations uh, trying to survive and yet uh, polluting streams. Right. When you're dealing particularly with concentrated animal feeding operations called CAFOs or other really intensive industrialized agriculture, you're in a whole nother, you know, ballpark. I mean, you're talking about um, really factory farms and you have factory mm -hmm. farm kind of pollution. And so it's really important that there's strong standards to address that. And even though the European Union does have standards to address those issues, they're not even being enforced right now. So many people in the United Kingdom are saying, who care about these issues, they're saying, look, it's not even being enforced now. Why do we think after Brexit, when we no longer have to comply with the European Union standards, when we don't have the European Union enforcement, when we aren't going to be subject to any of the legal decisions, why would we think it's going to be better for the environment it's going to be worse and and that's what the mm -hmm. concern is so at the same time all of this is happening britain is also talking about joining the trans-pacific partnership and you know i mean in the trump administration in had even floated that at one point when they were announcing tariffs where does tpp fit into this kind of triangle between the US, UK, and Europe? Or does it? Well, I mean, I think it fits in the overarching uh, sort of large trade agreement vision, which is a corporate driven trade agreement, whether it's called CETA, TTIP, or TPP, these are bad agreements. Um, Britain or the entire you know, United Kingdom uh, under the current government is desperate to ink these separate trade deals, you know, not with the European Union outside of it, because that's supposedly the great benefit. One of the great benefits of Brexit is that England will be able to have these additional trade agreements with other countries. So they've mentioned, of course, the U.S. and now they've mentioned the TPP. But you know, both of those uh, uh, potential agreements bring with them major uh, concerns, and and they, as as we've been discussing that would really dumb down the, the kinds of standard of living uh, in, the Europe, in, in the United Kingdom. Um, and you know, really what's the benefit is, of course, they, they wanna have the, the tariff-free goods, but you know, this is something they have right now through the European Union. So trying to go around that and come up with something that works just as well is proving to be quite difficult and what it brings with it are these social costs which means you know more pollution, uh, weaker food standards, not having your food labeled, uh, and maybe pricier medicines. I mean that this is you know what it's, it may come down to. And so I talked about these um, plans coming from 
the UK, but this is a negotiation with the European Union. And what the European Union is going to say about some of these plans, um, some of that remains to be seen, but some of the reaction has not been very positive. So I think the concern, a big concern, is that the outcome could be that there is no deal between the European Union and the UK, which would potentially be devastating because you wouldn't have these rules at all. Uh, and you know things like just importing food into the country could potentially come to a halt. This may be across the ocean, but this affects us in the United States and globally as well. And we should be paying attention as world citizens to what's happening there. There's actually people associated with uh, President Trump, such as Steve Bannon, that have been mixing it up, trying to support the Brexit process and, and really opposing a unified uh, European Union. Um, you know, these things matter and they matter globally. Uh, and, and I think, you know, as just sort of a closing thought, the European Union has really been a force for good in the sense of being a very large democratic block, a peaceful block, uh, and really a very progressive block. You know, you can quibble about rules, but generally their environmental rules, their food rules, their animal welfare policies are, are, are more progressive than here in the United States. And so anything that tears apart the union and that pulls out these threads uh, probably isn't really positive overall for the world's uh, democratic um, countries. But we shall see and, and hopefully, you know, this process can play out in a way that um, doesn't, you know, disrupt the European Union too much and make sure that people in the UK, you know, still live in a place where they want to be that is healthy, safe, you know, environmentally uh, protected. All right. Well, Sharon, thanks a lot for joining me on podcast today. You're welcome. You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. For more on what you've heard today, including to read Sharon's blog, Five Red Flags for Food, Farming, and Fair Trade Under the UK's New Brexit Plan, you can visit our website at www.iatp. Org. I want to remind you that you can download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you like what you hear, give us a good rating. I also want to thank Andrew Arisso for editing the show. And if you have any comments or questions, you can email jwise at iatp.org. Thanks for listening.